Good morning, church. That includes everybody online. Welcome to Living Fellowship. So good to be here today. I'd really like to get right into the good things of God. How about you? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Exodus, the 20th chapter. Most of you were in a study where you were asked if you were afraid of the spirit. And it can be termed different, different ways. Afraid of the spirit realm. Afraid of uh, spirits. Because there's both good and evil. And then you could really even broaden that up and just say, would I be afraid of God? And when you were asked, it was like you'd never heard that. That question had never come into your mind before. So nobody really asked, why would I be afraid of the spirit realm? Why would I be afraid of these things? And God began to lead me in some thoughts, and that's what I'm going to address here today. And if I was to title today's uh, recording, we would title it, His Fear. Specifically talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, is God's fear. And uh, there's a lot to say about these things. Because I'll put it out there right now. With God himself, there's only one fear. And it's called the fear of the Lord. We'll read some scriptures about it. I mean, we're at church, we might as well read some good scripture. But the fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord endureth forever. Uh, there, there's many scriptures about the fear of the Lord. I think that phrase is in the King James translation 30 times. But there is another fear. Not to God, and I'll explain to you how this works. When something goes out from God, God sends his word out. It has an opportunity to be perverted. Or to be changed. And um, Jesus really covered that with the Pharisees when he told them in John 8 and 44. And I'm just paraphrasing. You look at it for yourself. You are of your father the devil. And the lust your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh, he speaketh a lie. And this is what I want you to catch right now. Because he speaketh of his own. What do you mean his own? The devil. The devil has no power outside of God. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, he waits around and listens for the word of God, Daryl, continually to pervert it and to change it. Paul addressed this in Galatians, the first chapter, when he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ that he had received of the Lord that men didn't teach him. He talks about there's another gospel, but it's not really another gospel. It's the gospel perverted, he said. So what the devil does is take subjects like, let's say, fear, or the fear of the Lord, and he changes it. It's no longer clean. As the psalmist said, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It's no longer clean. It's unclean. But it's not unclean to God, if you can understand what I'm saying. God never has a fear that torments him. God is not afraid of anything. And if you look at that word, afraid, it's in the scriptures like 189 times uh, almost always and I'll be conservative almost always it's concerning someone that is hiding from God like in the beginning with Adam and we might read that the third chapter they had a conversation about being naked and who told you you were naked Adam said that he, he had hid himself from God because he was afraid so when you look at what the, the word afraid Many of the times they're afraid in a fear that separates them from God. 
And the reason that is is because sin is present. Well, you know as well as I do with God, Rex, there's no sin present. He, he is holy. He is clean. He is just. He is righteous. So when God sends a fear, he sends it in a clean sense, the fear of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? But there is another fear. And we could look at that, if you want to real quick, in 1 John, the fourth chapter. Let's see where that's at. Does that make sense to you how the devil will take something clean and just and righteous and change it and make it unclean, unrighteous, pervert it? He does it with, um, well, the other thing we're going to talk about is God's love. It's, he has a, a very specific love. It's his love. We'll read that because God is love. And, and if it's God's love, there's no perversion in it. You understand what I'm saying? It's when sin gets involved or the devil gets involved, you can have something like the fear of the Lord is changed to a fear that I'm going to read to you right here. 1 John 4 and verse 18. He said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now notice it says perfect love. Is there an imperfect love? So when he get, the devil gets a hold of a word from God, he makes it known. Tim, he's a liar. He abodes not in the truth. When he speaketh, he speaketh a lie. So he'll take a scripture. He'll take something good, like I said this morning. Let's get into the good things of the Lord. He'll take something good, Merle, and he'll make it his own. When he makes it his own, Julie, he makes it a lie. You realize that the devil has a gospel? He actually, Carrie, has the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perverted. Are you with me? He changes the word of God, the love, the joy, the peace, all of it. He'll add a little twist or he'll take away a little bit from it, Julie. He'll add to or take away and change it. Like we're going to focus in on this fear here today. And now no longer is it something that brings you wisdom. Because I'll just speak plain. And we can have as many meetings as you want to. We can look at the scriptures all that you want to. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a lot of people will say, well, the fear of the Lord is a reverence. I agree with that. It's, you'll stand before God, Daryl, in a reverence and an awe. Wow, Lord. And another person would say, well, why would you not fear? All God has to say is no oxygen and everything's done. It's over. He cannot lie. There would be no more oxygen. But that's not God. Even the sense of looking at God like that is perverted. God is life. God is love. God is good, amen? But the devil will take something that God has meant for good and look to turn it into evil. In other words, he'll make it his own. He changes it from being God's truth to a lie now it's a part of his gospel, the perverted gospel of Jesus Christ. And it happens all the time. Wisdom is the ability to interpret God correctly. See, the tree of life was wisdom and understanding. When the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. When the Lord commanded the man of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. 
Just the knowledge of God put Adam into death. When his disobedience caused sin to enter in, now things begin to get perverted, even to the fact that he had two children, one of the wicked one and one righteous. One named Cain that rose up and was a murderer of his other son, Abel. And you see now, because of the sin that's entered in the world, we have a perversion even in the family, don't we? Amongst our children, amongst the brethren, there's a murderer. There's one that's taking after the wicked one. Now, when you're walking in wisdom and understanding, you're able to interpret God correctly. You perceive him through his eyes. I, I understand you, Lord. I understand your love. I understand the fear of the Lord. I understand your will, your ways, because you've allowed me to interpret you with wisdom and understanding from you, Carrie, not what a man's knowledge tells you, who God is, how he is, how he operates, and those things like that. In other words, it stays clean, and it's true. And if you know the truth, what happens? It'll make you free, won't it? All right. So let's read about this fear here real quick. First um, John 4 and 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Again, we reference the love. It says it very plainly, perfect love. Not just any love. What would this perfect love be? It would be God. God is love. So God's love does what? It casteth out fear. We're getting ready to read in Exodus, the 20th chapter, right after the Lord gave the, uh, is it 10 or 12, Walker? That's a joke. Last weekend, uh, when Walker was preaching, he talked about Moses getting the 12 commandments. <laughs> so I asked Walker, I said, that's awesome, bro. What were the other two? I haven't seen them yet. He went and got the Ten Commandments on two tablets, right, Walker? And he had to do it twice. But right after that, he, the people, Israel, God's chosen people, gets an invitation directly from the mouth of God to come in, and it says right there, to hear from heaven, to hear God's voice to him face to face like Moses did. And you know what they said? Like a lot of people here that are afraid of the Spirit, afraid of God, now, let's get into this just a little bit. Why would you be afraid? Well, a lot of things, we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of things we don't understand. We're afraid because our imagination can show us many different scenarios, and when it shows us a scenario we don't like, we get afraid. This fear that I'm going to read to you about here, I promise you, every single one of us, at one time or another, has experienced, and maybe in different magnitudes, Right? Let, let's just use it like this in a, a sense here. Anybody af afraid to go to the dentist? I know people that haven't been to the dentist for the last time. They want no part of that whatsoever. Anybody afraid to be uh, audited by the IRS? <laughs> huh? These two, the next two, probably go hand in hand with the worst kind of tormenting fear. But you ever been afraid of uh, like somebody in your family dying? especially a child or something. That one's hard. You know, because I know we're all going to go the way of the grave, but uh, you sure would like to see somebody live a good full life if possible. And in my opinion, Carrie, a, a, um, a child should never go before the mother. 
But the other one, too, and a lot of people can relate to this, is, uh, you know, going to the doctor. Anybody ever had a procedure? And they're like, do you want a local or do you want to be put under local? <laughs> is there a bit of a fear there? Then, no, I don't really want to be put to sleep. Why? What if I don't wake up, she says, the what ifs, right? Now, why would she say that? Because it's happened before. In other words, it's a reality. It could be. So let's eliminate, Rex, the could be. But th this type of fear that I'm talking about right there, that's the one that torments you. And I said we've all probably experienced, I guarantee we have, and it's the one that I would talk about in the Bible where it says they were afraid. When, when God came to Adam, he said, I hid myself because I was, I was afraid. Sin was present. He had been disobedient. The serpent had already talked to his wife. She had given Adam of the fruit of the tree. And he's afraid of God now. That kind of fear, Carrie, will separate you from God. That's the one we don't even realize that um, I'm afraid of the spirit realm. And one person would say, oh, I'd never be afraid of God if God would talk to me, if he would bring me in the spirit. And then you wait a little bit and you go, but what if he's mad at me? Hmm. Well, what is he going to talk to me about? What if I've done something wrong? And you end up at times doing exactly what Israel did, Rex. They said, uh, Moses, you go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead and talk to God. Let us know what he says. We're good. But you're going to read here when we do go to Exodus, the 20th chapter, that when they were called, this is so cool the way this is going to come out, to trade their unclean fear for a clean fear, they were afraid and said, you do it. They missed out on the opportunity to have the fear of the Lord before their faces continued to interpret God correctly. Why? Because they were interpreting him incorrectly. They're like the, the fire, the thunder, the lightning, the trumpets. You're going to kill us. We're afraid to lose our life. Sometimes we're afraid to yield all of ourselves over to God because there's something about our life, there's something about us we just don't want to lose out on, Edith. We just want to keep that little bit. God, I'll give you almost everything. But see that door over there? We aren't going into that one. Hmm? I, I, I've kept that one reserved. I don't let anybody in that one. And God's like, I know everything that's in there. I can see through the door. I can see everything that's in your house. And I see that you're afraid. Let's make a trade. Now, I don't know if we'll get to this today, but I'll just cover it and we'll see if we go to the scriptures. You remember in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents? God called his servants. He gives one five, he gives one two, and he gives one, one talent. And um, he asked them, or, you know, understood that they should have took his talent, took his money, and put it to the exchangers. And uh, when he came back, he could have got what was his with usury or interest. Yeah, I'll give it to you, but do something with it. This is what Tim was going to make them a faithful servant. Now, God gives continually. You know how I know God gives continually? Because God is love, and God continues to love, and he continues to talk to us, and he continues to lead us and guide us. He never stops. So he's always giving to you something. Even a correction or reproof is God giving you help, isn't it? So God's always looking uh, to give himself. 
and draw you closer to him. Now, we're talking about the talents. The one that got five, he traded. Now, this is the key words. Listen to me closely. You'll read it in Matthew 25. He traded with the same. So he didn't try to take something, Sharon, that was God's or godly and say, let me mix it with something that's not God. It says he traded with the same. And he made five more talents. He had ten. And what was the word of the Lord to him? You're, you're a faithful servant. You're a good and faithful servant. Enter in, and you can say it however you want to, but I know how I'm going to specifically say it today. You can enter in to the fear of the Lord. You can enter into, uh, actually what I want to say is the glory of the Lord. We've been talking about this. When it describes the glory of the Lord, like I taught at our conference, uh, Paul said in Col uh, Colossians, the third chapter, I think the third verse, we shall appear with him in glory. God was calling Israel up to appear with him in glory, which is also the fear of the Lord, which was the thunder, the lightnings, the trumpet, the, the earthquake, all of it. Moses was interpreting God correctly, and it says he went into a thick cloud. Could you imagine seeing like a nuclear explosion and, and your guy goes walking into the thick darkness of it? The one that you put your life on the line for. Moses called us out of Egypt. He said, this is what we're supposed to do. We've already been to a sea. Well, I don't even know if they'd been there yet. Well, it don't matter. They came to a sea where there was no way through. And God made a way. Huh? We're stuck. They're right behind us. Here's the water. What are we going to do now, Moses? And they begin to talk, chide against Moses. And God split that red sea. He made a way when there was no way, didn't he? So they're looking up at their man. Here he is. He, he's going to die. No, he wasn't. You know what he was there for? To get those commandments. Here's what the trade is, folks. When the man had two talents, he traded with the same, and he had four then. Now he goes to the one that has one talent, and the Lord says, I knew. Listen to me closely. He's what he's saying. I knew. So through my knowledge, I interpreted you, Lord God, to be a certain way. Are you with me? I knew thou art an Austrian man, one that reaps where he sows not. He said, I know how you are. Think about that, how many times that happens to God a day. I know how you are. I have understanding of you. I can interpret you. And because I know how you are, I was afraid. And I hid what you gave me in the earth. Again, afraid. The wrong fear. The fear that hath torment. We still haven't read all of it yet, but we will. The wrong fear kept him from reproducing in God. The wrong fear kept Israel from going into the glory of the Lord to appear with him, to hear from him mouth to mouth and face to face. And you know what else it says to him? That day he spoke to them from heaven. Now everybody in this room would love to have God speak to them from heaven, would you not? But if you are afraid and you have a fear that God is going to take your life, or I can say it this way because it's true too, take something from you. Guess what you're going to be? Offended. Offended. I watched a thing the other day. I'm going to tread lightly here. 
I watched a thing and they said, uh, we got to take the word man out of everything. Like a, a manhole. You can't have a manhole. We, we need to quit calling uh, a mail carriers male men. Because you know why? The word man offends people. Right? And the guy was interviewing Rex and he said, well, what are we going to do about Manchester? <laughs> and they said, well, we're going to have to change the name. And I'm listening to this, and I'm going, wow. Because the reason a person is offended is because they're weak. In my mind, the first thing that hit me was a word of the Lord that says, Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. That's simple. See, people want to handle things the way of the world and the spirit of the world and make things easier for people to get offended. They're making them weaker. If you get offended, maybe you need to be offended. So I don't like that at all. Well, you don't like God's way. Because when Jesus was with his disciples and they came to him and said, Lord, know ye not the Pharisees which hated him, which despised him, which called for his death, which ones we already referenced, that the Lord said, you're of your father the devil. They were offended. Lord, know you not the devils were offended. Or the Pharisees, same thing. Were offended at your sayings. You know what he said, Carrie? They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the ditch. He said, let the dead bury the dead. And what else did he say? This is what you got to do. Leave them alone. If a person gets offended, big walls go up. And they're all alone. And sometimes they got to work through that to get through that offense, get over it. Or they'll stay in that bondage, in that captivity, sometimes a short time, sometimes a long time, sometimes forever. But the whole point is, if, if you're catering to somebody that gets offended, you're doing them an injustice. You're making them weaker. Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend. I'm not saying we're not going to have compassion, not going to have empathy. And, and would work with somebody that wants to be worked with. But I, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I hope that you come to this conclusion too. Until a person wants help, you can't help them. You absolutely cannot help them. You know why I know that? Because God himself, until a person is willing to be helped and wants his help, cannot help an individual. And here's the thing for me. If God ain't in it, Rex, neither am I. So I'll back up. Leave it alone. Fence has to work. As a matter of fact, didn't Jesus say, see, this is, I'm so adamant about this. When you're judging uh, God, God's work, God's people, his church, Bryce, it should come through the mind of God, not the spirit of this world. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're not the biggest church in the world, but the best preacher I ever saw had 12. 12 apostles sent from God, from heaven, to go get 12. In John 17, he said, I've lost none of them, Daryl. I've got them all. When we go to Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter and the seventh verse, I love this. We actually need to read this. Do you know why the Lord said he chose Israel? Bet most of you don't. You know why he said he didn't choose Israel? He said, you weren't the most of all the people. Daryl, he said, you weren't the strongest of all the people. You weren't the greatest of all the people. As a matter of fact, Carrie, you were the fewest. So God's okay with like the prophet said, Bryce, despise not the day of small things. 
There's a beginning to everything, isn't there not? We ain't the biggest church in town, but I'll tell you what. I'd rather have quality over quantity all day long. The love that's in this church, the lack of bite, backbiting and, and discord and all those things that's in this church, I'll trade it all day long for a 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 person church. Right. But that's also why we raise up ministry like we do in a church like this. Because if God ever does move it, you know, it's a lot of work pastoring and ministering to the church. Double that, triple it, quadruple it. We need ministry, don't we? That's why we do this. This is how the Lord does things, did things, and how we'll do things. So when we're judging the work of the Lord, our church, even you guys, let's do it through the, the scriptures. Let's do it through the mind of God. Let's do it through the eyes of the Lord and not the spirit of this world. Because the spirit of this world hated Jesus, hated him, hated truth when it came, despised the will of God. And ultimately, they thought they killed the Lord, but he actually gave his life, crucified the truth. Huh? But he was willing to give it. Where are we at? The talents. He said, I hid it. Adam said, I hid myself because I was afraid. I hid the talent because um, I was afraid because I knew what you would do. But no, you didn't. You should have took my talent, put it to exchangers, and here's why we're talking about this. Traded with the same. Now, why am I saying it like that? Because when we read in Exodus, the 20th chapter, Moses tells Israel, Rex, come on up. There's thunder, there's lightning. Get an imagination of this like a nuclear explosion on this mountaintop. And they've already seen some of the power of God, the miracles and the great things of the Lord, they, they have the ten plagues. They're out of Egypt. They go to Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. And God gives them an invitation. Come on up. Nope. Don't really want to do that. This is an awesome sight, but we're good back here. We don't want to get in the spirit. We don't want to get in too close to God. You know, commonly throughout the Bible, it wasn't Manoah, Samson's wife, when they saw the angel of the Lord and said, going to die. Commonly throughout the Bible, they all said, and in Exodus, the same thing, that if any man sees God, Darrell, he's going to die. Sometimes the word of the Lord comes to you, and it's looking to change your life, and you're like, oh, I don't want to die to that. I don't want to change that. I don't want to adhere to what he's saying there. I want what I want. Right? But here's what he said to him. Be not afraid. God is here. So his fear, specifically ownership, <laughs> his fear would be before your face. So was he going to trade with the same? I tricked a lot of people this last week with that. Because to the people, that was this fear we're talking about that torments us, that we're afraid. But to God, was it still one fear? And when he would have received it back into himself, would that fear have been cleansed? Yes, it would have. There's only one, Rex. Do you remember when Peter was on, uh, in the vision, in the housetop? There was a sheet knit at the four corners, let down from heaven, wherein was all manner of unclean beasts, creeping and crawling things. And the voice of the Lord came to Peter and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Mm -mm. <laughs> Peter tells the Lord, Not so. 
Nothing unclean or common has ever come into my mouth. And in the law, anything that was a beast, well, certain beasts, they were clean and unclean, but a, a creeping and crawling thing, a scorpion, a serpent, any of those things like that, bugs, they were unclean. Israel was not supposed to eat those. They were actually an abomination. If you go and look there, anything that creepeth or crawleth. And they had different uh, things you could and couldn't eat that were clean or unclean. Well, the voice came back to Peter and said, Call thou not that common which I have cleansed. So here's what I'm going to say to you here today. This is where we're going with this. When Israel went up to the mount, God was going to trade with the same girl. He was going to take their unclean fear that he created was clean at one time, and he was going to trade it with a clean fear and cleanse that. You know what he was doing, Carrie? He was bringing them into perfect love. And they got afraid and didn't go. He was going to cast out all fear. He was going to clean it up, if you would. How do I know this? Because in Exodus 20, right before he gives them the invitation, he gives them the Ten Commandments. What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. So why did God give the commandments? Do you know why he said that he called Israel, which was fewer than all nations? Because I have set my love, not your love, not somebody else's love, not a perverted love. He said, I have set my love on you. Is that awesome or what? God was calling them up there, Kim, to say, I want you to enter into my love. I want you to enter into me, to my glory, the fear of the Lord, and have wisdom and understanding, just like he did with Adam in the beginning. Eat of the tree. Eat of the tree. Understand me. Interpret me correctly. I love you. I would never hurt you. I would never harm you. Yeah, but your majesty and your glory and the appearance of your power, I uh, would rather have you talk to somebody else than me. In other words, you have one of the elders go in the spirit, have them come back and tell me what I need to know and what I need to do, and I'll do that. Let me ask you a question. How did that work out for Israel? That generation's carcass fell in the wilderness. God raised up another one to keep his promise because God's faithful and he wasn't going to lie. He raised up another generation, Tim. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So why did God give the commandments? Because he loved them. It wasn't to be a dictator. It wasn't to be a manipulator or a controller. The commandments are good. They were for their good. And you know what? Like Jesus said, when you keep my commandments... Keep, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. Why are the commandments there, Tim? Because he loves you, right? But didn't um, we love him because he first loved us? So Daryl, he calls him up there and says, here's my love, here's my commandments. Now I'm going to prove you and see if you'll love me back. If you'll enter into this word, if you'll enter into my commandments, if you'll enter into heavenly thoughts, if you'll enter into the spirit. In other words, if you'll enter into me, love said, I'll prove you that I love you and you love me. Let me finish with this tormenting fear and then we'll get over to Exodus and may finish this up on Thursday, huh, Walker? Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How do you like that, to be able to have boldness? Doesn't that sound good? Not be afraid? Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. Now, did I pretty much hit everybody in this room when we did the dentist, the IRS, the uh, anesthesia, and what else? Yeah, I think we pretty much got everybody, right? But that type of fear, or you, we're afraid of those things. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I don't think anybody here is wanting that type of fear that puts you in a captivity and a bondage to be tormented by, do you? So here, here's how you do it. Be made perfect in God. Be made perfect in his love. Take his commandments. Keep his commandments. Love him because he first loved you. And then in doing so, if, we, if you love me, keep my commandments. Always have in your heart. The, how do I say this? The commandments aren't there because God needs anything from me or you. He's God. The commandments are there for you. So he can prove to you that you'll be convinced, rooted and grounded in love. That you'll be totally settled in your mind, in your heart. Lord, I love you more than anything else. He'll prove that to you if you'll allow him to. Go with me to Exodus and we'll finish up here. 20th chapter. This is also in Deuteronomy 5. <clears throat> I'd really like to cover them both when we get a chance. But for today, let's do this. Verse 18. Well, I'll show you what's going on here. Verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And now what's he start, Walker? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's he given them? How many? <laughs> Verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So he finishes. We, we did the first one, we did the tenth one, didn't we, Walker? And watch what he says after this. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, which when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Wow. Another place here, Tim, it calls this his glory. This is what I preach at the conference, that we'll appear with him in his glory. But what happens sometimes when God sends his glory and he sets his love on an individual or a group? Some people will be afraid of it and withdraw. Oh, I'm going to follow far off. No! Come to the mountain. Get in the glory. Appear with him in glory. And be a partaker of the fear of the Lord and the will of God. And the love of God and let perfect love cast out all that fear that torments you. Are you with me? Let's finish this up. So they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. Now Moses they could see, huh? But what were they seeing about God? Something that made them afraid. Huh? 
Moses they could see, so they said, You, Moses, we can see you. Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. They're afraid of losing their life, and they don't want to get in the glory, Tim. They're interpreting God wrong. You're a murderer. You're a, a dictator. You're a manipulator. You're going to kill me because I'm a sinner. And we think that way at times. Can't come before the God because I'm not worthy. I've done so much wrong. You know? It's not true. God gives the invitation. Come on up. Come on up. I'm going to cleanse you. Carrie, Carrie we're going to trade with the same. Because I know what that fear is. That fear was mine and the devil stole it. And I'm getting it back right now. I'm going to make it pure again. I'm going to make it clean. I'm going to make it whole. I'm going to make it the wisdom and understanding. You bring it up. I know it's unclean to you, but it's not to me. Bring it to me. Let's trade with the same. Huh? And when you trade with the same with the Lord, he would have cleansed that fear. They would have walked in the fear of the Lord. They would have had the love of God. Tim, that's what God was doing. I'll finish this and show it to you. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. For God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. So what was God's intent? Doesn't love cover a multitude of sins? He said, come on up. Fear not. His fear. I mean, does that mean anything to you like it does to me? There's a separation that's there. Outside of God, yeah, there's different fears. There's one that torments you, but not in God. In God, there's only one fear. It's the fear of the Lord. The enemy has taken the fear of the Lord and perverted it and made it something that torments individuals. But Moses said right here, fear not. He's brought you here so his fear will be before your eyes. Man, isn't that amazing? What an invitation. And guess what? God has an invitation for you here today. Every time he speaks to you, when a word comes from heaven, it's an invitation, Mr. Gowett. Come on into my glory. The thing that God's doing in our church with our women, or I'll just say the woman, get in the glory. Hear me? Get in the glory of it. In God's creation, there's both male and female. He's got his glory focused on the female right now, on the woman. And that, you say, well, that don't make any sense to me at all. That's okay. I've been told a lot of things that didn't make sense to me at times, but I stayed with it, and I loved God, and I trusted God, and God brought me the understanding on it. Can you do the same? Can I lead you by example? That's all you got to do is receive it, and it's God's obligation, and it's his work to finish it. You okay with that? Any questions before we go today? Mr. Gowett. The, uh, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy 7-7. Oh, that's so good. Read it. Okay, I'll do it. Yep. But Jimmy got a microphone over there. Well, we have a law office that has that. Finish your thought, Tim. Okay, thank you. This is um, what we referenced already. Verse 6 For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen, to, chosen thee to be unto himself. Let me read this again. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. You guys feel special? <laughs> Above all the people that are upon the face of the earth, the Lord God did not set his... Did you catch that? Whose love? You see how he singles it out? He did not set his love 
upon you. Nor choose you because you are more in number than any people. Do you hear that, Bryce? Not the size of the church that matters. It's the quality. Because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. This is how God does things. Come on. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which is a type of Satan, right? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You guys want to know how to break the generational curse? We just read it. He'll bless you to a thousand generations. Tim, would you like to comment on that? His love, right, bro? They were the fewest. They weren't the most. God does things a little different than we do, huh, Rick? God has mercy, kindness, but he also gives us the opportunity, if we are willing to be a partaker with him in these things, in his glory, and by his spirit, he'll make us perfect in love and cast out all that tormenting fear. Amen? Anybody else before we go? I could do this for another hour right now. It's so much fun. Okay, I appreciate you guys. God bless you. Remember, study, uh, who's up Monday? Walker's up Monday. And then um, Tim, Wednesday. Walker and I are Thursday. Um, I think that's going to cover it. Outside of that, come back next week. Okay? God bless you.